Let us again pray. Father, as we come now to open Your Word, we ask and pray that You would help us understand by way of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we see the wealth of Solomon, may we understand that treasure that is ours in Christ and what awaits us as His people, the treasures that will await us in the new heavens and the new earth. Lord, we thank You for Your Word and pray that You would bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of Your Word for the sake of Jesus as we pray in His name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. Verse Kings 10, we'll begin at verse 14 and read to the end of the chapter. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Besides that, which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings of the West, and from the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps, and the throne had a round top, and on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrest, while twelve lions stood there, one on each side of a step on the six steps. The like of it was never made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with a fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. And he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew. And the king's traders received them from Kew at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. 
And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we heard of a queen coming to visit Solomon. The queen of Sheba, what is today Yemen. And we heard of her curiosity. She had heard of this king sitting on the throne of Israel, of his wisdom, of his knowledge, of his riches. And she just had to come and see for herself. And she saw that all that was said of Solomon was true and more. And this led her to to honor the king's wisdom, to worship the king's majesty, to give the king treasure. And in the end, as she visited with Solomon, she too received something. She received the blessing of the king. And all of that because of the wisdom of Solomon. And this morning we hear of the wealth of Solomon. Now, think back earlier in this book, and you'll hear this again, because we remind of this as we think of the wealth of Solomon, the fact that God has said to Solomon, you can have anything you want. Now, what would we have asked for? We would have asked for wealth. We would have asked for money. I want 666 talents of gold. But Solomon asked for wisdom. This pleased the Lord. And in return, God said, and and on top of the wisdom, I'm going to bless you with great wealth. And this is what God has, this is what God did for Solomon. Now, is it wrong for for a Christian to be rich? The answer is no. As we see this morning, it's God who gave Solomon his wealth. It is God that gives to any man or our family great wealth. But how, however, we will also see in the life of Solomon that great wealth is also a great temptation. This is why Jesus tells us in the gospel, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. God is the God of all wealth and riches. God is the one who gives to men wealth and riches. He is the one who gave to Solomon his great wealth. And so there are three things we're going to see this morning in our text. And we begin with the the great wealth of Solomon. We, We hear of everything that he had. And it began with what? It began with gold. Now, our text this morning describes for us the the golden age of Solomon's empire. This is it. This is the height of the empire of Solomon. This is the high watermark of kingship in Israel before the coming of Christ. And God wants to impress us with the splendid glories of Solomon's golden kingdom. Everything was made of gold. And one way to measure Solomon's glory is to weigh all the gold. 666 talents of gold came to Solomon in just one year. Now this may have been the annual tax revenue that Solomon received. But whatever it was, however it came to him, 
It, it is a, a fortune. It amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars today, maybe even a, a billion dollars today. But on top of that, we also hear of, of what Solomon earned from, from international trade in, in verse 15. Not only did he receive 666 talents of gold in one year, besides that which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings in the West and from the governors of the land, more gold came to Solomon. And notice how Solomon used his gold. He, he would drink out of it. Made drinking vessels. But he also made a lot of shields. Think of that. Think of being in the army of Solomon and you go to war and he hands you a gold shield. You probably wouldn't want to get it scratched. But Solomon loved to make shields of gold. He made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. And then he had smaller shields. He made 300 shields of beaten gold, three minutes of gold into each shield, and he put them in the house of the, foreign, uh, of the forest of Lebanon. Now sometimes people say, well, this is just an exaggeration. You can't possibly believe what the Bible says here. It, he could not have had that much gold. But if you look and you look at other uh, accounts uh, of other kingdoms, actually what Solomon has is, is in line with those other kingdoms as well. And he has so much gold that silver in comparison was nothing. We heard that twice in our text, verse 21. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forests of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. And, and then in verse 27, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. And so here at this time, Jerusalem was known as Jerusalem the Golden. The Golden City. Now, it doesn't stop there, does it? He had all this gold. The silver was waste. It wasn't worth anything. But there are other things he had as well. He had other treasures of beauty, and, and especially his throne. Would you not like to sit on the throne of Solomon? It was made of ivory. And then he overlaid it with the finest of gold. It had six steps. The throne had a round top. On each side of the seat were armrests. Two lions standing beside the armrest. While there were twelve lions. One on each end of a step on the six steps. And there was never a throne like it in any other kingdom. Now the lions on the throne. They were emblems of the tribe of Judah. They served as royal symbols of what? Of the God-given power that Solomon had. He was God's king. He was the king of God's choosing. He was the one that God put upon the throne of Israel. And what a throne it was. But not only that, in verse 22, we hear the successful business that Solomon had. He had a, a large fleet of vessels that could sell to Tarshish and back. And, 
and, and we heard how those ships would, would bring all types of, of things back to Solomon. Rare metals, precious metals, exotic animals. Solomon had a zoo. And all these treasures, they just kept flowing and flowing into Jerusalem. Solomon's kingdom was the major center for international trade. And Solomon accumulated an enormous fortune. Now all by the hand of God. And so that's the wealth of Solomon. And second of all, we... We hear of that golden age of Solomon's reign. Now, as we go back for a moment, we think of all the gold. We ask the question is gold bad? No, gold in itself is good. The Bible often puts gold in a, a positive light. There are hundreds of references of gold in, in both the Old and New Testaments, and, and many of them refer to the durable splendor of gold. The, the goodness of gold explains why we see such a, a large quantity of it in the houses that were built for the worship of God. You remember when Moses made his tabernacle? He made it according to the instructions of God that God gave him on Mount Sinai. And everything in the holy place was covered with what? With gold. The refining of gold in the Bible burns away impurity. That is a, 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 a picture, a symbol of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And God is even described as, or gold is even described as a good material to use in building the spiritual foundation on Jesus Christ. And so gold is good in and of itself. And so that means that the gold from the glory days of Solomon is presented in a positive light. Look at verse, verses 23 through 25. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses and mules so much year by year. There was no one like Solomon. He was the wisest man on earth. People would come and they would want to hear his wisdom and knowledge of all subjects. You can almost see Solomon now taking them around the, the palace grounds and, and telling them about each animal that had been brought on the ships from Tarshish as he had that his own personal zoo. And so as all these people came to Solomon to hear his wisdom, they, on top of everything that God had given him, they would bring presents. Now you'd think Solomon would eventually say, enough. I have enough. But all of this is an answer to prayer. It is a fulfillment of a promise. Again, we go back to 1 Kings 3 and verse 13. And as, as God promised Solomon the added blessing of incomparable riches, he said, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you 
all your days. And no other king all the days of Solomon compared with him. There was no comparison. There was no king as wise, as rich, as great as the king of Israel. And so all the gold he had, all that was brought to him, that was an answer to his prayers and a, a fulfillment of the divine promise of God. And who received the glory? Not Solomon, but God. You can also almost see as Solomon entertained Gentile kings, taking them around the palace, showing them all that, that he had, saying all this was given to me by God. He kept his word. He promised me this and He gave it to me. And so this is the golden age of Israel. Solomon is at the height of this golden age. Now we will see beginning in a few weeks that there's going to be a turn. And Solomon will eventually turn away from the Lord. But right now he has that wealth, he has the gold, he has all that God promised to him. And then finally we see with gold comes temptation. Now we know Solomon was wise for most of his reign. But somewhere along the way he begins to make compromises spiritually. He stopped choosing to follow God. We heard that a few weeks ago, how... God again gave Solomon a choice and he says, you, you must choose to follow me. If you do, your kingdom will be great. You'll be well. But if you don't, you and the people of Israel will suffer. And so somewhere along the way, we will see from the end of this chapter to the beginning of the next, Solomon decided no longer to live for God's glory. And the way Solomon kept accumulating more and more gold was a, a sign that he was already in danger. Do you remember back in Deuteronomy 17 that God said through the law of Moses that the king of Israel was not to inquire for himself excessive silver and gold. But yet Solomon keeps acquiring for himself excessive silver and gold. And that desire was starting to take control of his heart. But there was another temptation. Not only all the gold and, and everything he had, but there was another temptation. He, he put his trust in, in military power. Verse 26, Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. In verse 28, and Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Q. And the king's traders received them from Q at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. So through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, 600 shekels of silver was nothing compared to the gold of Solomon. But we see Solomon becoming not just a king, but in a way, he is becoming the major arms dealer in the Middle East. 
He's the middleman between the Egyptians and the Syrians. He's importing and exporting chariots. He's buying low and selling high. And he was turning a large profit. And this, in the end, will be a foolish thing for Solomon. Now, it will not come in his lifetime. It will come later. But later, both the Syrians and the Egyptians will attack the Israelites. And they will use the very weapons that Solomon was giving to them and, and having or, or selling to them for Israel's own destruction. And, and this too is a violation of the law of Moses. Again, in, in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, verse 16, God said this, that the king must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And so in all of this, we see Solomon beginning to turn away from God. At the height of his success, at the golden age of Israel, Solomon is beginning to trust less in God and more in his own strength and his own power and his own riches. And this will ultimately lead to his downfall. The very fact that Solomon was trading with Egypt for horses and chariots shows us that Solomon was going to the very place that God was forbidden, forbidding him to go. Now we hear all of this and the first thing we think of, well, Solomon is a warning for us and he is. He's a warning to us to make sure that we are choosing for God, that we are living for God, that we understand that all that, that glitters is not gold. And that we're not to put our trust in riches or wealth, but in, in God. But, but even beyond that, we, we know that one day there will be another golden kingdom. And what a day that will be. In fact, Solomon's gold held or holds forth for us the promise of this more glorious kingdom. We hear of all the gold that Solomon had. We hear of the fact that he's drinking out of gold cups. He's sitting on, on a, a throne that is made of ivory overlaid with gold. He has all this gold surrounding him. And, and that that just helps us to see that this more glorious kingdom will one day come. God gave Solomon all this gold to prepare us for the golden kingdom, not of Solomon, but of Christ. When Jesus preached the kingdom of God, he assumed that people had some idea of what that kingdom was. He used Solomon's kingdom as an example, he talked about Solomon and all of his glory. The kingdom of Solomon was the greatest kingdom on earth. But there's a greater kingdom that is not only coming, but is a part and is here today. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are part of that kingdom. We make up 
the kingdom of Christ, the church. And a golden age is coming for the church. Now, if you're post-millennial, you'll believe that it's a thousand-year reign of Christ upon this earth. And what a glorious thing that will be. I just believe it will be done in the last day. We'll reign forever with Jesus. The second, yet for all of its glory, Solomon's gold gives us only a glimpse of the greater glories of the kingdom of Christ. When we get to the book of Revelation where the Bible opens for us a, a window on eternity, we see many things that are glittering, many splendors. As it was at creation, it will be at the consummation, the gold of paradise is good. We hear in Revelation the crowns that we will wear. What will they be made of? Gold. We, we hear of the streets that we will be walking. What will they be made of? Gold. We hear of that heavenly city that will come down and it is described as a golden metropolis, a city of pure gold. And we think that that is beyond our imagination, and, and yet that's what God gave to John to write to us, the church, of what it will be like. It'll probably be even more splendid and glorious than what John was able to put in human words. But that is the kingdom that awaits God's people. Now in this world, what do we see of kingdoms? They rise and they fall. Our nation is no different. We are on a steep decline and unless God intervenes, this nation will not be around for much longer. It has happened with every great empire and dynasty and, and everything that, that we see, every kingdom in this world, it will happen here. It will continue to happen uh, time and time again until Christ comes and He puts forth that glorious eternal kingdom that will never fade, that will never go away, and we will be a part of that. And so the next thing the golden kingdom of Solomon gives us is uh, the, the golden kingdom of Solomon is only a glimmer of the glories that God has for us in Christ. The kingdom of Christ is glorious, will be glorious like pure gold. It will last forever. It will be a golden age that will never end. The golden age of Christ will never end and will never pass away. Now, we're a part of that now. We don't see all the gold yet. We don't see the glories of the new heavens and the new earth. That will come. But if we are in Christ, we are a part of that kingdom even today. And as we pray for the kingdom of God to come, the kingdom of Christ to come, it is coming. It is coming upon men and women and children today as the word of God is preached. And they, by the grace of God, are brought into that kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ will never end. It gets its beginnings in this, this sin-filled, curse-filled world, but it will be consummated in glory. 
And what a, what a glorious day that will be. And everyone will see it. Every eye will see the risen and glorified Lord coming to this earth with the saints that He has saved. And every eye will see the glories of the church, that bride that Christ has upon this earth that is marred today but will be presented to Him in glorious splendor. And if we are in Christ, we'll be a part of all that. And so as we close, are we looking for that kingdom? Are we praying for that kingdom to come? And are we a part of that kingdom today? If not, that's why God has you here this morning. To hear this glorious kingdom of Solomon that will pair in comparison with the glorious kingdom of Christ. To hear the fact that in order for you to be a part of that kingdom, you must recognize your sin and your disobedience to God. And you must turn from it and come to Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, and and, and ask and pray for Him to save you. And if you do that, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus... He will redeem you. He will save you. That He who is King of kings and Lord of lords, you will become a child of the King. And you will be with Him forever. And oh, the glories of that kingdom. The glories of the kingdom of Solomon is beyond our comprehension. How much more the glories of the kingdom of Christ. And so as we think of the first advent, let us think of the second. Let us think of that glorious return of our Lord and be ready for that return as we trust solely in Jesus and Him alone for our salvation. And may God, by His grace, give us the very ability to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We Thank You that in the kingdom of Solomon, as glorious as it was, that we see the greater glories of the kingdom of Christ. And Father, I pray if there are any who are not a part of His kingdom now, that You would make them a part by Your grace and mercy and power. That You would show them their sin and their need of Christ. And that You would not leave them in their sin, but bring them and give them a new heart. And may they cry out unto the Lord Jesus for salvation. No, Lord, we ask and pray that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may that day of Christ's return come quickly. And we see the glories of the kingdom that he has purchased for his people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.